يعلمون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الدنيا حلوة خضرة وإن الله مستخلفكم فيها فينظر كيف تعملون فاتقوا الدنيا واتقوا النساء فإن أول فتنة بني إسرائيل كانت في النساء أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حديث of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم that was recited Nabi Salaam says that in the dunya hulwatun khadiratun that this dunya the world is hulwa very sweet and appears to be very lush in other words it has a lot of outward attraction that is the nature of dunya and after all this world is a test so the test is always something that is not very very straightforward but the test will be a test if the test is that always a person is asked the question that what is one plus one then there's no test left So likewise, this dunya outwardly is very, very attractive. Nabi Islam says, Hulwatun khadiratun. But at the same time, not every sweet thing is something that is beneficial. And not everything that looks lush is something that is useful. The common statement in English that is made, that all that glitters is not gold. Sometimes something glitters, but it can be something very harmful, very dangerous. So dunya is also something similar, very glamorous, glitters a lot, very eye-catching. It can very easily attract a person. But Nabi Islam says, وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ مُسْتَخْلِفَكُمْ فِيهَا فَيَنْظُرَ كَيْفَ تَعْمَلُونَ Allah Ta'ala will, has put you into the world, and has made you the vicegerent of Allah Ta'ala on the world. The Khalifa of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala now wants to see how you conduct yourself. So many a time, something that might seem to be a very difficult thing outwardly. Somebody is outwardly toiling and suffering. But that outward toil and suffering takes a person to some great heights. And on the other hand, somebody might be seeming to be having a very royal time. Might be seeming to be enjoying himself in a way that nobody else is enjoying themselves. But behind that, there's a major musibat coming. Especially when a person gets caught up in some haram, then outwardly it looks very glamorous. Outwardly it seems there's no person in better enjoyment than this person. But when a person starts engaging in haram, then there is a date that is set from Allah Ta'ala's side. Allah Ta'ala is very, very merciful, very forgiving. So Allah Ta'ala gives a lot of respite. But together with that respite, there is a certain date. The date is set. When will the consequences of this deed come? Now a person sometimes misunderstands that respite. And he takes it that this is now an increased bounty from Allah Ta'ala. I'm doing what I want. And I'm still carrying on with life like nothing happened. In fact, I'm enjoying it even more. So <clears throat> he misunderstands his respite and gets deeper. And sometimes it comes to the point where he passes the what, as we sometimes say, sell-by date. He came to the sell-by date. As a result of which now that azab descends on him. And had he understood the respite, that this was a moment to now come back, to Allah Ta'ala's mercy, then he uplifts that azab. So in any case, outwardly sometimes it seems a person is in enjoyment, comfort, happiness. He seems to be having a royal time. But behind that is another issue. 
And sometimes a person seems to be undertaking a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, sacrifice. But it takes him to major heights. The very famous incident that we might have heard many times. Hazrat Musa wasalam, asked Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, Allah who is going to be my companion in Jannat? I want to know who will be my companion in Jannat. So Allah ta'ala said to him that so and so person who is a butcher, Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, Musa Salam, Kalimullah, Allah Ta'ala would converse with him directly. What a great Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. And his companion says, so and so person who is at certain place, who is a butcher, he is your companion. Musa Salam is astounded. He comes, finds his place, finds his person there, sees his person busy in his work, busy chopping up all his meat. And as a result, butcher is a butcher, he's got to work with that, the blood and the fat and whatever else is all over his clothes so Musa is looking at this scene in astonishment so he says, Ya Allah, this person is my companion in Jannat, he said yes, he's your companion in Jannat so an ordinary person, an ordinary Muslim doing his basics of deen nothing very very fancy, apparently so Musa asks his permission, that can I join you for the night he says, very well, no problem Come along. So he goes along. Because those days there wasn't all these formalities. Nowadays the formalities have caused all the difficulties. Previously there were no formalities. So there was no difficulty in for example entertaining a guest. Now till the placemat doesn't match the plate and if you don't have a matching serviette with it, then it's difficult to invite somebody. Let alone how many different varieties of food have to be there in order to invite someone. One is that somebody up front, one month in advance, you gave an invitation, that's one thing. But if somebody out of the blue, you decided to invite him, there's no need for any formalities. Whatever is available would be presented. And if there is just a minimal amount available, just put that, khalas. No formalities. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says that when a person is cooking, should add a bit more gravy so that he can share with his neighbors. Now, gravy, how he can share with the neighbor, this is something beyond our imagination. But this was the way in which Nabi Islam thought that, that gravy doesn't cost anything to anybody. You just added more gravy to it. So, what does it cost? How easy it becomes to share that now? The lesson in there is. When there's less formalities, life is easier. And the more the formalities, the more life becomes complicated and becomes difficult. And this is one of the reasons why people, when it comes to the occasion of marriages, then this becomes a major problem. That till all the formalities are not taken care of, that wedding can't go ahead. And as a result... This is a happy occasion. This occasion of happiness often becomes the biggest sore point in many a person's life. In many a family's life. That happy occasion of a nikah becomes the greatest sore point, which is that thorn remains in the people's hearts for months and sometimes years to come thereafter. Where it started off from? From the occasion of a nikah, which is supposed to bring people together, unite Unite two strangers and unite two families. That becomes unfortunately sometimes, many a times, Allah forbid, that that becomes the breaking point of so many others. So many near and dear ones. So this is all as a result of these formalities. And when there's no formalities, the Sahaba Ikram, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Abdullah bin Mas'ud says regarding them, describing the Sahaba Ikram, various qualities he gives about them. And one of the things he mentions about them is That they had the least amount of formalities. No formalities. We've discussed that incident of Hazrat Salman Abu Darda many times here. Of how easily that nikah took place. Abu Darda takes Hazrat Salman's proposal and goes and he gets married and come back. That's how without formalities their lives were. So in any case what we were talking about is where we branched off from
Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, he asked this person, can I come and join you? He said, very well. So in any case, he joined him. So he comes home, this person, as he wrapped up his work, so he takes a piece of meat, nicely wraps it up, and he goes along, he says, come on. They come home, he has like a basket placed high up somewhere, big basket. And he carefully brings it down. When he brings it down, probably because there was nobody else to serve his mother, so, so that there is no other taklif that comes to her, she can't do anything for herself. So this was his mother sleeping in there. Old, frail woman. So he takes that meat, washes it, chops it up, cooks it in some kind of soup, whatever he might have made. And then he brings it and he feeds his mother, one, one morsel at a time. And then cleans her. And as he's completing this, she is saying something which Musa salam cannot hear. From the distance, he does not hear what she is saying. So, any case, this person then came, Musa salam asked him, who is this? He says, this is my mother. Every morning before I go off to my work, I first see to her needs, make her comfortable, and then I go and do whatever my work is for the day. When I come back home, the first thing I do is attend to my mother. Mashallah, very good. You see, what was she saying? She was saying something which I didn't hear. So this person said, well, what do you now want to know about that? It's an old woman now. She just says something. She says, no, but what was she saying? Well, she just keeps mumbling something. She keeps mumbling every time I do some khidmat for her. She says, may Allah ta'ala make you the companion of Musa salam in Jannat. The dua of that mother. May Allah ta'ala make you the companion of Musa salam in Jannat. Now, Outwardly, he was undertaking this pain. Outwardly, it was a sacrifice. Attending to his mother who's old, who's frail, who cannot do anything for herself. And especially if it's in this zamana, in this time of the year, then this becomes like a major burden in people's lives. What, do the, what does a person do with this old person? It's become now an obstacle in the holiday. So the person who does not do that, he sets that aside. And he does what, he is, what sacrifices is meant to be made, he makes those sacrifices. Outwardly it seems like, it's just something in vain. But behind that sacrifice, there's great good behind it coming. But if it was so clear as daylight, that you do this, this is how it will come, then there's no test left. But the test is that you can't see it immediately happening. It's in the unseen. That is where Mu'min's Iman starts off. In Surah Baqarah, right at the beginning, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ The muttaqeen, the true believers in Allah wa ta'ala, their first quality is يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ They have Iman in this unseen. Their own Iman is in the unseen. That is why when a person is dying, and he sees the angels of death already in front of him, and now he brings Iman. At that time, even Fir'aun brought Iman. The Quran Sharif speaks about it. That Amantu bi Rabbi Haruna wa Musa. Even Fir'aun brought Iman at that time. But that Iman was now Iman bil Mushahada. It wasn't Iman bil Ghayb anymore. It was Iman in the seen. No more Iman in the unseen. That Iman is acceptable which is in the unseen. That before the Akhirat opens out in front of a person, he believes in it. Now that the Akhirat has opened out, the unseen is no more unseen. Now that Iman is not valid. So, outwardly it seems a lot of toil. But behind that toil there is great happiness, great joy, great peace. This is something that, so many incidents of this nature, but something that is very fresh, just recent. On that note, it's being mentioned. This one Jamaat was in Durban from Pune. Many of us might have heard about the Sati that passed away whatever the details were, but towards his last moments, those of his satis were around, so he told them, first put me in the sajda. So they put him into sajda, and his rule left in that condition. Now where he came from, and all the sacrifice, and whatever other difficulties and hardships that were undertaken, 
And now, again, if you link it to this time of the year when the whole world is holidaying, and he is outwardly toiling, sacrificing the path of Allah Ta'ala, away from his family, away from his home, away from his near and dear ones. Outwardly, it seems like this person is in terrible pain. This person is in misery. But ask him now. So outwardly, sometimes it seems like what seems to be very, very sweet is not necessarily sweet. Behind that sweetness, what is haram sweetness? Behind the haram sweetness, there's terrible bitterness. There's misery. That is just on the surface. But beneath the surface, as soon as a person hits the surface, already the misery starts. And when there's some sacrifice for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, then outwardly that sometimes looks painful. Outwardly it seems like pain and difficulty. But already the happiness starts. Directly in the heart of the person. Allah Ta'ala blesses him. Allah Ta'ala after all is the creator of happiness. Happiness doesn't come from things. So, this is the lesson that is being given to us in this hadith. إِنَّ الدُّنْيَا حُلْوَةٌ خَضِرَةٌ The Nabi Islam says, وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ مُسْتَخْلِفَكُمْ فِيهَا Allah Ta'ala is going to, has placed you in there as the Khalifa of Allah Ta'ala. فَيَنْظُرَ كَيْفَ تَعْمَلُونَ Allah Ta'ala wishes to see how you conduct yourself. And the system of Allah Ta'ala is in, the pla- in place person does what Allah Ta'ala wants him to do. This is the system that the dunya Allah Ta'ala has made. In tansurullaha yansurukum. Allah Ta'ala says, you help Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will help you. You help Allah Ta'ala, help the deen of Allah Ta'ala. In other words, Allah Ta'ala is saying, you do what I want you to do, I will give you what you want. You do what I want you to do, I will give you what you want. What does Allah Ta'ala want from us? Very, very simple. That we fulfill the commands of Allah Ta'ala. We refrain from the things Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. The few handful of things that are forbidden, we refrain from. And the innumerable things Allah Ta'ala has made halal for us. That is all halal. The handful of things that are impermissible. But this is the deception of shaitan. Shaitan blinds a person to the innumerable halal things. And he will even make him make what is haram halal. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says that لَيَأْتِيَنَّ مِنْ أُمَّتِي أَقْوَامٌ That some people will come in the latter time in my ummat. يَسْتَحِلُّونَ الْحِرَّ وَالْحَرِيرَ وَالْخَمْرَ وَالْمَعَازِفِ That they will make halal. One is that a person is indulging in something haram and he acknowledges that this is haram. And that is terrible, but they still hope that he'll come out of it. But a person legalizes it. In one hadith, Nabi Islam says, they'll change names, they'll play with the names. Like for example, you tell a person that, uh, did you take, ask him, that did you take any bribes? Or do you bribe anyone for business reasons, whatever? get an order here or do something there. He says, bribery, you know, bribery is terrible. Now and then we just do a sea ride sometimes. Bribery, out of the question. But a sea ride is, that's okay. What's the difference between that sea ride? Actually, that name also is a very, very deceptive thing. It's meant to try and minimize the, the evil in it. We call it sea ride. Whatever and however it's meant to be understood why that word was coined in that way. It's quite a straightforward thing. But the word right has come into it which is totally wrong. It's supposed to have been he saw him wrong. But now that too is like many other things. That's the way the world is going. Previously it was called in a very, very direct way, abortion. Abortion is a very, it's a word that it shakes a person because it's a cruel word word that invokes that or expresses that cruelty. So now in the legal, in the medical terms, they've now toned it down, very, very toned down. Termination of pregnancy. It's like you terminate something else. You terminated your job. Somebody terminated something else. Somebody 
terminated whatever he was busy with. So now this is a termination also. So these are all playing of words to try and minimize the evil in the haram. So the what was wrong, they made it see right. Saw him right. The bribery person doesn't want to get involved in bribery at all. The see right is fine. So this is a legalization. And Nabi Islam says that a time will come in my ummah when people yastahillun al-hir wal-harir they will legalize even zina. They will legalize the wearing of silken garments for men which is haram. Wal-khamr they will legalize intoxicants. Sometimes a person is indulging in something haram but the name has been changed. So the name is something else so it has become fine. One youngster once while talking he says no I'm just a social uh, a social smoker that's all so not a problem so I asked him what does that mean I never heard of this before so what does this mean social smoker well does it mean that you smoke in society you don't smoke privately I had no idea what it meant so he says no no I smoke privately but a sm- social smoker in the sense that it's just once in a while it's an occasion only so that's not a problem problem is if there's an addiction now this has become the play of words shaitan has legalized things for people by just giving them new names there's no problem with this now social thing social things are all fine so nabi slawsam foretold us that the time will come people will change labels and change names and legalize things they will legalize the worst kind of evils while maazif musical instruments allah forbid that let alone just legalizing it, there will be distortion of hadith, distortion of ayats of the Quran Sharif to try and provide some kind of justification. That this is not a problem. This is the, this is the proof for it. So the distortion of the ayats of the Quran Sharif will carry on. Distortion of hadith will take place just so that a person can give some kind of justification for the wrong that he's doing. So this is how this dunya will tempt a person now the aspect of making zina halal person says this is sounding very far-fetched how can this apply but every level of haram in this regard is also a level of zina the zina of the eyes is zina the zina of the ears is zina listening to the haram talk of somebody looking at haram so how many people don't regard anything of that as wrong the zina of the touch one person wrote one some lady wrote one question of how to try and handle the situation so he says how to handle the situation meaning what he says well when there's family gatherings and so on so then now I'm in my in-laws home and my mother-in-law also insists that I must embrace everybody in the family. Everybody meaning everybody. All the males of the family also I must embrace. Now that's an insistence and if you don't do it now there's going to be a problem. What level has that dropped to now? One is that something haram is done then there's insistence on that haram. And a person who doesn't want to be involved in that haram, then that person has become now the outcast. Bada al-Islam gharibah. As Nabi Islam says, that Islam started off like a stranger, alone. Nobody there for it. One, two people. And then it grew. Time will come, Islam will become like a stranger again. It will become strange in our own homes. And a person who wants to do the right thing, that person will be looking odd. What you are up to? So, all this now is that same legalization. يَسْتَحِلُّونَ الْحِرِّ وَالْحَرِيرِ So, this hadith of Nabi Islam we were discussing, the Nabi Islam says, that this dunya is very sweet outwardly, and very, very lush. فَاتَّقُوا الدُّنْيَا وَاتَّقُوا nisa. Fear two things. فَاتَّقُوا الدُّنْيَا Fear this dunya, that it does not trap you in its trap. The dunya is not the objective of, a, of the life of any person. 
dunya is a place of means and a place to fulfill our necessity towards getting our objective. Objective is akhirat. Objective is the love of Allah Taala, the recognition of Allah Taala, and to reach the akhirat, reach jannat. The rest of it is just need. It's just part of necessity of life. If a person builds a beautiful house, but if he does not have a bathroom in there, does not have a toilet in there, that house is incomplete. But nobody gives that the focus of his attention. That is a sideline thing. His main attention is on the rest of the house. That is just there out of necessity. So likewise, the dunya is a necessity. But the western system, the capitalist system has made it such that the dunya will dictate, meaning the amassing of dunya, that will dictate how a person's life is run. Morning to evening he will be dictated by the dunya. They will give the whole world credit. Obviously in their manner, on interest. Now the person, credit is available to him. And unfortunately this is credit in itself meaning taking a loan borrowing something from somebody is established in hadith Nabi Islam borrowed also but now this is one part of it the same thing the selective manner in which we take these ahadith Nabi Islam borrowed yes he borrowed but what he borrowed for when there was starvation in the home and when he borrowed then he had to pawn his armor as guarantee. Leave it there as guarantee. And when the time came for Nabi Islam to leave this dunya, at that time also there wasn't enough wealth available to release that armor. So in that condition Nabi Islam borrowed. And we borrow for super luxuries. Now that is not the system that Deen has taught. The western system steeps a person into debt. And now he has to work from morning to evening merely to service that debt. And he becomes purely an economic machine. He becomes an economic machine, but he's given some little bit of time here and there just to keep the machine running. The machine has to run. If it's run 24-7, it'll collapse. So now it has to be given some time off so that the machine can keep running to keep other people's coffers filled. So from morning to evening, the machine will have to carry on. Seven days a week, from eight to late. And maybe sometimes one day a week off, just to now replenish, so that that machine can continue working. So that is what the Western way of life has made this insan. It's an economic machine for other people's motives. But it is done in such a subtle way that a person doesn't realize where he was used and how he was used. In the process, he enjoys some comforts, some luxuries, but overall, he's become a machine for somebody else. So, Nabi Islam is saying, don't get caught into dunya's trap. Dunya is there, person will earn a halal living. His mindset will not be that of earning for the sake of earning. He will be earning for the sake of acquiring the akhirat. Part of that is to fulfill his responsibility towards his family. So he will fulfill his responsibility towards them. And over and above that, to assist the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala, those who are underprivileged, those who have lesser, those who are unfortunate, those who are in some difficulties and hardships, and to spend on the deen of Allah Ta'ala, in uplifting the deen of Allah Ta'ala, and earning the akhirat in this way. So then Allah Ta'ala will give him what he wants. And the sum total of all the things that we chase is we want happiness, we want peace, nothing else. Ask a person, the bottom line, the bottom line is happiness and peace. Like the famous story about that woodcutter. So one person was lying down on one hammock and having a good sleep. Somebody passed by. They asked him that, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm lying down, you can see. I mean, relaxing. She says, what do you do in life? He says, well, I chop some wood and then I sell that and finish. And then I relax. So he says, no, you're wasting your life. 
say, what should I do? He says, no, you must now chop more wood and sell more wood now. Instead of just selling for one hour, you should sell for the whole day. He says, then what I'm going to do? He says, then you will be able to buy more acts. One you got now only, buy several more and hire some people. So you'll become an employer. And then, he says, and then you'll have even more wood to sell. So obviously, then now you'll become even more wealthier. Says after that, says then you can open up a big factory where you can now start processing that wood, and then says then you can start exporting wood. And after that, so after that then you can start relaxing. So you say what am I doing now? Says exactly what you want me to do. I am doing now. You want me to go around this whole chakkar and come to this point, but the problem is that when you start that chakkar, you don't finish off at this point. I am already here. What you are only still dreaming about, I already got it. So this is that trap that shaitan puts us in. And this never finishes. This just carries on. So what is required is, that a person understands what is his object in life. What is his direction. So Nabi Islam says, worry about getting caught in the trap of dunya. The dunya is our slave. We must not become enslaved by the dunya. So a person will earn his halal living. Whatever is meant for him thereafter, Allah Ta'ala will give him in that. Somebody in that one day he'll work and he'll get what somebody else earns in one year. That is Allah Ta'ala's decree. But he did it in a halal way. Alhamdulillah. He did it with tawakkul. Not trusting in the means, trusting in Allah Ta'ala. So tawakkul is not that a person gives up the means. Abu Bakr when the time came to give everything away at the time of hijrat it was now needed there was a need for the last cent so he didn't leave one dirham behind for his daughters also and those daughters were also his daughters after all to pacify the grandfather they put some stones in something put on cloth away they said no there are a lot of dirhams here some smooth stones he thought there was genuinely money in there and they accepted that wholeheartedly. So when the time came for that, he did that as well. But when he's appointed as the Khalifa, the next morning somebody sees him, he's got his bundle of cloth fabric on his shoulder and he's on the way to the marketplace. He says, you are the Khalifa now, where are you going to the marketplace? If I don't go to the marketplace, who's going to feed my family at the end of the day? But who is saying this? That person who was closest to Nabi Sallallahu from the entire Ummah, after all the Anbiya Ali Musalaam, his rank is next. So the both sides of the equation are being put forward to us. That when the time was there for this, then he didn't hold back anything. But that was his rank. And at the same time, when he has appointed Khalifa, he didn't say, well, I got no time for this now, so whatever is meant to happen will happen. He puts his fabric and he's off to the marketplace to sell it. Until they finally say, well, this can't happen because who's going to now attend to the affairs of the state? So now you must be allowed to take a stipend, an allowance from the Baytul Mal. But he undertook that as well. So the person will do it. But when the azan goes, he says, this is not giving me my risk. Now it's the call of Allah, Taala. so this will stop. Now that person has got tawakkul. He is not cutting corners in order to earn something extra. Because this is not feeding me. Allah Ta'ala is feeding me. So this is not feeding me, so I shouldn't be cutting corners to try and amass more. This is not feeding me. So when a person will earn with tawakkul, then Nabi Islam says, لَوْ أَنَّكُمْ تَتَوَكَّلُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ حَقَّ تَوَكُّلِهِ لَرَزَقَكُمْ كَمَا يَرْزُقُ الطَّيْرِ Allah Ta'ala will feed you, if you have genuine tawakkul, Allah will feed you as He feeds the birds. In the morning the bird leaves empty, Bellied, it returns with its belly full. Which university it went to? Which degree does it have? But Allah Ta'ala feeds it. But this much it has to do, it also leaves its nest and it goes out searching for its food. But Allah Ta'ala has fed it and it comes back. So a person will make his moderate effort. His moderate effort he will make. But he will trust in Allah Ta'ala alone and he won't cut corners anyway. So one is that not to get caught up in this dunya. And the second thing Nabi Islam says, وَاتَّقُنْ nisa, And fear the fitna of woman. Because the first fitna that 
the Bani Israel were engulfed in with the fitna of women. And Nisa'u Haba'ilu Shaitan. Islam says that Shaitan uses women as a net, like how a person goes fishing. So he uses a net to catch the fish. So Shaitan wants to trap somebody, then he uses a woman as a net. Sa'id bin Musayyab rahimahullah was 80 years old. He had almost lost his vision. And he was sort of just groping and finding his way, walking. And he says, the biggest fear I have in terms of fitnas is the fitna woman. He's 80 years old. Sayyidut Tabi'een. Among the greatest of the Tabi'een. After the Sahaba Ikram, this is their rank. And at that age, having lost most of his sight, barely managing to walk easily, and he's saying, this is my greatest fear. Now, does it mean that there's something evil in every woman? No. But the lesson is for both parties. The lesson is for women that don't allow yourself to become the net of shaitan. By dressing in such a way, by exposing yourself in such a way out on the streets and wherever else, and putting yourself in such places that you will become the means of the distraction of others. Then you have been allowed, you have allowed yourself to be used as a net by shaitan. And the message to every man that be double careful in this regard. It's a very dangerous situation. Often because of the situation in workplaces and whatever else, people become very casual, very relaxed, and everybody becomes like one family, Allah forbid, that this becoming like one family will break many families. It will break many families. That this is something that has got no excuse for us. Nabi Islam has spelt it out. The Quran Sharif Allah has spelt it out. So these are the two things Nabi Islam says. That فَاتَّقُوا dunya وَاتَّقُوا nisa. That the first fitna that hit the Bani Israel, that destroyed them, was the fitna of woman. And especially in the zamana that we are living in, where shaitan has almost removed every bit of haya from generally from people. In such situations, this now becomes applicable thousand times more. The caution that a person needs to take. That caution now has to be applied a thousand times more. And much more than that. Allah wa ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq to bring into our lives the lessons that Nabi Islam has given us to undertake these cautions that he has given us the warning against getting caught up in the fitna of dunya, fitna of woman and all the other various things that Nabi Islam has warned us against. May Allah wa ta'ala save us, protect us and the entire ummah wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah. Sayyidina <laughs> يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جز الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 
ہر تمنا دل سے رخصت ہو گئی اب تو آ جا اب تو خلوت ہو گئی ہر تمنا دل سے رخصت ہو گئی اب تو آ جا اب تو خلوت ہو گئی مٹا دے اپنی ہستی کو چھوڑ دے ساری بستی کو بستی بستی کہتا جا اللہ 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 محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہم لکل حمد کلہ و لکل شکر کلہ اللہم لا نحسی ثنان علیک انتا کما اثنیت علی نفسک جز اللہ عنا نبینا محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم بما هو اہلو ربنا غلمنا انفسنا وان لم تخفل لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين لا اله الا الله الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسالك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمه من كل بر والسلامه من كل اثم والسلامه من كل اثم والسلامه من كل اثم اللهم لا تدع لنا ذما الا غفرتها ولا هما الا فرجتها ولا حاجه هي لك رضا الا قضيتها ويسرتها يا ارحم الراحمين يا ارحم الراحمين يا ارحم الراحمين اله العالمين يا الله ومسفول الله بوس فورغيفينغ اند كاين اند مسفول الله يا الله يو فورغيف اس يا الله فورغيف ذا انتاي امه اوف رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا الله يو فورغيف اس لايك ذا دي بي بورن يا الله اله العالمين يا الله Ya Allah, you save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, only with your protection can we be saved, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, don't leave us to ourselves for the blink of an eyelid, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, Ya Allah, protect us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, protect us, protect our eyes from all the haram, Ya Allah. Protect us from the sins of the ears, Ya Allah. 
protect us from the sins of the tongue, Ya Allah. Protect us from the sins of the hands and feet, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, protect us from the sins of the heart, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, fill our hearts with your love, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with the love of Sunnah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, save us from the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, grant us complete Hidayat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, spread the winds of Hidayat throughout the earth, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, save us from all the haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, protect our Iman, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, protect the Iman of every believer, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, protect the lives and wealth of every Muslim, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, save us from the taps of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from the tap of dunya, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, save us from all the evils, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, all those who have passed away, give them complete, Ya Allah, maghfirat, Ya Allah. Fill their covers with nur, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, make our covers gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your love, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the dispute of the awliya siddiqeen, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, save us from making dunya our maqsad, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, enable us to be all the time preparing for the life after death, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, you save us from making dunya the way of our life, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, all those who are sick, give them complete shifa and afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Allah, all those who are in difficulties and hardships, remove their difficulties, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, those who are in debts, remove their debts with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, whatever difficulties and hardships anybody has, Ya Allah, with your grace and mercy, remove it, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, grant each one the best of dunya and the best of akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, all those who have asked us to make dua for them, Ya Allah, fulfill all their pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove all their difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Grant them the best of dunya and the best of akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, all the good that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam begged for, Ya Allah, we are also asking for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sought protection from, Ya Allah, give us protection as well, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nasaluka min khairi ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri musta'adhaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balagh ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله